0: Hey, welcome to Central Christian Church Online. My name is Tim. I get the honor of serving as one of the pastors here. And we're just so grateful that you've you've tuned in. I want you to know here at Central, we exist to help people find... And follow Jesus. We also want you to know that we are, we are imperfect people in progress. And so no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, once you to know that you can belong here, our hope is that you come to find this place to be your home where you get some answers to some of the questions that you might have and you go on this vibrant journey uh, with Jesus. That's our, that's our ultimate hope for you. We also realize that life can come at us pretty fast. And if, if you've been caught off guard by some things in your life, we could pray for you in any way. Man, it would be our joy to do so. So make sure you just click on that link in the chat if you're tuning in live. If you're watching this at a later time, you can always contact us at info at sj.org or, or on our website, you can find all that information as well. Well, hey, wanna also just welcome you. If you're new to Central or just checking this place out, maybe you've been with us for for a while but but you haven't connected with us. We just invite you to text us. Uh, text welcome uh, to 408-944-5402. Just one word, welcome to that number 408-944-5402. Uh, we got a, a kind of a new new process of trying to just just connect with you and better serve you as the Central family and and not only when you you can text us, do we. We get to connect with you, but a couple cool things happen. Uh, number one, we make a donation in your honor to an incredible organization here in the Bay uh, called City Team, uh, helping people in some of life's uh, just, just difficult seasons. And so you can make an impact in their life uh, just by texting this number. But also we got a gift to you. Uh, it's called Right Now Media. And it's, a, it's the world's largest video library of Christian content. So kind of think of it as like Netflix with Christian, Christian material. But if you wanna know more about how to study the Bible, how to pray, how to have a, a God-centered marriage, or, or how to engage in a relationship with the, with someone at all in a way that honors God, then, then man, it has all that information on there. Also, if you, you're struggling with a, a habit or a hang-up or an addiction, then man, they got some content on there that would could help you through that as well. But it's just a free gift. Uh, it costs something, but but we paid for it. We want to gift it to you. So whenever you you text us, we're going to send that your way and uh, beyond all that, though, we just want to connect with you. We know, we know God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And we just want to help however we can in that spiritual journey. So welcome to Central. Hey, we we are kicking off week one of this brand new series that we are calling Jesus is. And so Jesus is. Whenever people talk about Jesus, they fill in that blank with a whole lot of stuff. Uh, but we just want to look to the Bible and say, Who is Jesus? What did He do? Uh, how, how did He live? And how can we align our life with this with this God who who who? transformed the landscape of the world as we know it. And I also recognize that some of you watching this, you don't even believe that Jesus is the God of the universe. You're not even sure who he is. And so you might put a question mark in that blank right now. But our hope over these next few weeks is for all of us, whether we're followers of Jesus or we're just checking this thing out, that we would have a biblical understanding of who, who Jesus is. Here's our theme verse for the next few weeks. It's found in 1 Corinthians 2. Uh, verses one through two, and it says this. It says, you'll remember, friends, when I, I first came to you, I didn't, I didn't try to impress you with, with polished speeches or the latest philosophies. And, and there's a whole lot of things that we could talk about in today's age and a lot of new philosophies, a lot of, a lot of ever-changing times, but we're gonna, we're gonna set those aside for now and we're gonna deliberately keep it plain and simple. We're gonna first, first talk about Jesus, who he is, and then we're going to talk about Jesus, and what he did. And we're going to talk about Jesus. He's crucified, but why? why? Why did he do that for us? We're going to unpack those things over these next few weeks in this, in this series. Uh, but throughout his time on earth, Jesus did all kinds of, of miracles throughout his ministry. And, and today's message is simply titled, Jesus is the Miracle Worker. And listen, I I just want you to know if you need a miracle, your best next step is to connect with Jesus, because Jesus is. He is the miracle worker. And in fact, John, this guy who wrote a book of the Bible, his gospel account, there's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John wrote this gospel account documenting who Jesus is, what he did, and he comes to the end of, of his letter in this book of John, in John 21, 25, and he makes this statement. He said, Jesus did many other things as well. Like I can't even I can't even tell you how many things he did. He, he did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, I suppose the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Like he is the miracle miracle worker. And if we if he were able to document it all, like the whole world would be consumed with books just documenting his miracle working power. And so when it comes to Jesus performing. Miracles, I also realize it it raises some tension because some of us here watching this today, like you don't even believe that Jesus is the miracle worker. Like you think maybe all the miracles in the Bible are just fairy tale or folklore. Others believe that Jesus performed miracles, but we're not sure why in our lives, whenever we prayed, why he didn't do a miracle. Some of you believed God for a miracle and it didn't happen. And so what's up with that? There's, There's tension in knowing that Jesus is the miracle worker, but what about me? What about my life? And there's others of you that, that that you believe Jesus is the miracle worker in your life. Right now, you got some circumstances you're facing that it just doesn't look good in the natural, but you believe God, he is the miracle worker. And he, you just trust him that he's gonna work a miracle in that situation. And others of us, maybe we're somewhere in between some of those, those categories, but but I believe there is significance in first things. In fact, through in seminary, when I was studying how to how to be a pastor, they, they taught us this, this law of, of first mentions, as it was called. And, and the idea behind the law of first mentions, this like scholarly term, is to go back to where something is first mentioned in the Bible, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, and study it. Because you get kind of the purest form there. And then then look to Jesus and what did he teach about that, that topic? And and so today we're going to go back to the first mention of Jesus performing a miracle because Jesus is the miracle worker. And what I want us to do today is to look at that first miracle that, that John documents in his gospel in John chapter two. So if you have your, your Bible, you can turn there. If you have a mobile device, you can turn there. If you're, you're following along online, you're watching this live in our live platform, you can just click on that button notes and you can actually see my, my whole outline for this message and all the scriptures that I'll be be reading and referencing there, and you can email them to yourself, you can download them, refer to them at a later time, Uh, or you can just jump on our website if you're listening to a podcast later in the week and want to access those those message notes. But the first miracle that Jesus performs, it's found in John chapter two. In John chapter two, verses one through three, it reads this. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. I just think it's cool that Jesus got invited. Like sometimes we, re- we perceive Jesus to be like this, maybe a snobbish religious guy or, or, or maybe this guy that wouldn't go to a wedding banquet because he's not into partying or but but Jesus was a normal guy he was he was attracted to, to people around him that people wanted to be near him and so he gets invited to this wedding not only him but but his buddies go along and it says this when the wine was gone Jesus mother said to him they have no more wine <laughs> and so the setting of this story this first miracle is important because it it takes place at a wedding And I I think that's a detail that the author wants us to pick up on. I think there's significance behind this. There's meaning behind this. It's important for us to capture because when you're at a wedding, I think there's a whole lot we could say about weddings, but when you're at a wedding, expectations are high. (laughs) Like there are high expectations when you're at a wedding. Like fellas, if you're watching this and maybe you don't, you're not married, don't know this, but... But but when it comes to females, like they plan their wedding like their whole life. (laughs) We have a daughter, she's five years old. Five years old, talks about her wedding day right now. (laughs) I'm like, Elsie Britt, like can we get you through kindergarten first? Like let's, but but I'm just saying when it comes to her wedding day, expectations will be very, very high and everything will, will ideally go perfectly but there's tension in the story because it's a wedding with high expectations and things don't go perfectly. Uh, I've done some research for you this week. And if you're, you're living in the great state of California, the average, not the, not the high end, but the average wedding in California costs $39,000. Anytime you spend $39,000 on a one-day event, expectations are high. Uh, i I've I've officiated several weddings, but one wedding that probably was the most elaborate wedding I've ever been a part of or officiated for that matter was in Las Vegas. And the family spent $250,000 on a wedding. (laughs) And so I I show up for rehearsal and I'm just saying expectations were high. The bride, very high expectations. The bride's mom, like, you better not blow this guy. Like you better articulate what they don't ruin this magical, expectations were high. Uh, but uh, but how, how many of you know all weddings don't go according to plan? Uh, there's a, a hashtag floating around courtesy of Jimmy Fallon. Uh, wedding fails. Here's a couple of them. Uh, It says, my cousin had a beautiful outdoor wedding. She was having trouble getting through the vows. And at the same time, a mosquito landed on his head and the bride (laughs) smacked him. Of course, the guests couldn't see the mosquito. And so they all sat there speechless. Like I I bet that wasn't scripted. That wasn't part of, of the plan. The next one, I was photographing a wedding and the groom showed up. He looked very confused, didn't recognize anyone Wrong groom, wrong church, wrong date. Like this poor guy's wife, she, she's in store for this the rest of her life. Here's the here's the next one. Uh, my my friend had her vows on a beach, and during the ceremony, a gust of wind blew, and the minister's toupee flew into the ocean, and then a seagull. Ate it. Like no one's happy about that one. Like that's that's a bad day. And this one, this is where it gets a little bit personal. Uh, I said, hashtag wedding fail. Grandma walking down the aisle. She whispers, "It's sad. Ashley will never be married." I'm Ashley. <laughs> That's just wrong. Uh, here's one of my favorites. Someone must have been not been watching out for the bird seed at the bridal party. Like, check out the bride. Like, she's getting ha- hammered with bird seed. Not, not the way she drew that up. In this one, the photographer slipped and fell while fr- photographing the wedding party and snapped a picture on the way down. Like, <laughs> well, they're not cheap. I hope he didn't break his camera, but wedding wedding fail. And I say all that to say this, the the first miracle Jesus performed was in a setting with very high very high expectations. And here's why that's important for us. Because when you think about the areas of your life where you need a miracle the most, it's because you have some high expectations. The the tension we experience in life is where we have an expectation that isn't in alignment with reality. And, and this gap between our expectations and our reality is the tension that we feel, the tension that we live in, the tension that where we say, God, can you do a miracle and close, close the gap? I thought it was going to happen this way, but now here's my reality. I, I didn't think they would die like that. Like, I thought we'd have... I thought we'd have more time. I I didn't think the accident would happen. Like my, I didn't think my kids would turn out this way, but here they are and here's here's the reality. I thought my marriage was gonna look like this, but here's where I'm living. I thought my job would be epic and awesome, but I can't believe it's Monday already. High expectation. But often there's a a gap between our expectations and reality, and however great that gap, greater the tension that we feel. And the main issue here at the wedding that takes place in John chapter 2 is that the wine is gone. And that's significant for a couple reasons. Uh, First, it's significant because in our culture today, we focus on the ceremony. It's all about the bride's dress, uh, the groomsmen, the bridesmaids, like the official ceremony, the the candles, the flowers, the songs, the, the walking people down the aisle and And all that's important. But in this culture that we're reading about, it wasn't about the ceremony or the message that was delivered at the ceremony. It was all about the reception and the banquet and the celebration that followed. And oftentimes in this culture, these wedding celebrations would go for days, like up to seven days of a wedding celebration. And people would would rate the the quality of the wedding based on the reception. And if you're gonna, today we got like 50,000 flavors of Gatorade and soda It's not a big deal, but in this culture, wine was essential at a good wedding. They didn't have a whole lot of beverage options like we do today. The second thing that why this is so important that that the Jewish rabbis and people of Jewish culture, people who were at this wedding would have known this, this, this rabbinical saying that Jewish rabbis would say. And so so wine, it wasn't just just something, a beverage to drink, but it was a symbol of something. And here's the saying that the rabbis would say. They say, without wine, there is no joy. Without wine, there is joy no joy it was a symbol of joy and so here you are at this joyous celebration and the wine runs out and where there is no wine there is no joy and you need to know that Jesus came into the situations where expectations were not in alignment with reality and it's a perfect scenario for a miracle i want to just kind of pause for a moment though and talk to you a little bit about what it looks like to run on empty like in this this wedding ceremony, the wine runs out the, wine, it, the joy is empty, like the joy has run out in that sense. And, and I think for many of us, in light of the year that we just have experienced, our tanks are running a little bit a little bit low, and I've dedicated this message here for everyone who has had their expectations up here, but the reality has landed somewhere down here, and you feel like the wine is gone, the joy is gone. And, and he, he, some of you have navigated not only a pandemic, but some of life's most crushing realities. Some of you have lost a spouse after decades of marriage. Some of you have gone through a divorce after months, and you had expectations of your dream marriage, and here you are now navigating a divorce in all the wake of issues that follow that reality. Some of you have lost loved ones. And you say, I I didn't think it was going to end this way. But the reality was you didn't even get to go hug them. You didn't even get to say the goodbye. And now you're left picking up the pieces of that reality. Some of you had an expectation for a business. You invested your life savings. You poured yourself into it. And the business went under. And all of us have navigated loss this year. But some of you have really, really navigated loss. And I think... It's important for us to identify those areas of loss, to grieve the loss, but somehow we can't live in the loss. And I think it's important for us to pause and just remember some key realities that I've experienced in my own life whenever I'm running on empty so we can identify when our tank is low and lead ourselves to fill up our tank once again so we can be re-energized and fresh. For life, And so the first that I've experienced, maybe you've experienced this, maybe not, but whenever my tank's running on empty, I focus on my feelings instead of my faith. My feelings run the show instead of my convictions, instead of my, what I know I must do. And maybe it's just me, but, but I often focus on what's missing in my life rather than all the blessings in my life. Whenever I'm, I'm running on empty, I focus on my feelings instead of my faith. And at this wedding in John 2, they were focused on the wine. Well, the wine's gone. But the reality is this beautiful wedding just took place. There's greater blessings at play, but they're focused on the wine that's, that's missing. And when life isn't in alignment with our expectations, we often focus on our feelings more than our faith that would help us close the gap, And just a friendly reminder, 2 Corinthians 5.7 says we live by faith, not by sight. And some of us, man, in the natural, things don't look great. And our feelings are running our show. And the invitation as followers of Jesus today is, this, I'm just going to pull back. I'm going to get some perspective on my situation and, and step back into this call to walk by faith. I'm a candidate for a miracle here. And not by what we see when you're running on empty, it's vital to live from your convictions and not reason from your feelings. Second thing I've experienced, maybe you have too, is that whenever I'm running on empty, I take matters into my own hand. Like God, I prayed about it and I don't see you working. It's not moving the timeline I thought it would. And so I'm gonna figure this thing out. And we take matters into our own hands. The only problem is it never works. And so if you're running on empty and you're in this place where you're like, I'm gonna, take, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take this back into my hands. Here's a friendly reminder from Isaiah 30, 15. In repentance and rest is your salvation. Repentance is this word that simply means like I'm going this way. And it literally means to turn and to go a different direction. Like I'm gonna take hold of this. I'm gonna figure this out by myself. I'm gonna do, it's all about me and what I can do. And I'm gonna turn back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa God. You're in control. I'm, I'm going to trust you in this area once again in repentance and rest. And repentance, by the way, isn't like something we, we talk about that when people first start following Jesus, turn your life over to Jesus. Repentance is something that we as followers of Jesus should experience on a regular basis because we're prone to go sideways. And so we just need to turn back, God, here I am once again in repentance and rest. Rest. I, I'm just going to Stop. I'm going to stop striving and know that you are God. I'm going to trust you with this situation. I'm not going to block you out from this situation anymore. I'm going to rest in that you have this under control. And repentance and rest is your salvation. And quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. And oftentimes when we're stressed, we're running on empty, it's not going the way we thought it should or in the time frame that we thought God would work, we take matters in our own hands. And I'm just saying a friendly reminder, if that's you today, in repentance, in rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. And I want you to have all of that. The third and final thing, whenever we could talk about a whole lot, but here's just three of them. Third and final is, is we exaggerate the negative. I don't know if you've experienced this, but whenever I'm tired, when I'm running on empty, small things get blown up to be big things. And, and here's a bit of my concern for you and, and for us as a church and our society at large. Like, because I think we're running on empty and because we have these wounds that have been festering for a while, we're, we're ricocheting issues onto people that were never a part of it. We're unloading our junk onto people That weren't even a part of the problem. The problem's back here, but I'm bringing it into my present right here. And we exaggerate the negative. We make it bigger than what it is, and we got shrapnel flying over everyone. And and instead of focusing on the negatives, what if we just took hold of the promises of God once again? What if we just anchored ourselves back into that reality? Because 2 Corinthians 2, 1 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, even when things don't look like they're going well, even when it feels like everything's out of control, God, you still got a plan. I'm hanging on to your promises because all your promises are yes in Christ. If anyone had reason to exaggerate the negative, it was this guy, Paul. But he learned this secret of being content in every situation. He, he offers us some insight into that in Philippians chapter 4. And so if you're running on empty, this may be the, this may be the verse to anchor yourself into. Honestly, like you just need to hear this and maybe you can just tune everything else out because this, this is where we need to refill our tank. He says this, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case we miss, it, he doubles down and said, I'll say it again, rejoice. Well, how do we do that? Let your gentleness be evident to all. Remember the Lord's near and And it's important for us in the midst of feeling like everything's out of control and exaggerating the negative to remember that Jesus could come back at any moment. And the situation that's eating your lunch will be a distant memory, insignificant 100 years from now. The Lord's near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding... It'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And this is where I want you to lean in. If if you're living in a season where you're exaggerating the negative, here's practical advice that can change the trajectory of your week. And Paul says this, he says, finally brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. In other words, might not all be going right in your life right now. There might be some very real issues, but what if you let your eyes rest on the positive? What if you anchored yourself back into what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable, what's excellent, what's praiseworthy? I'm just saying, friends, imagine the difference this week could hold if you just made a conscious decision right now. I'm gonna stop exaggerating the negative and I'm gonna anchor myself back into the promises of God and I'm gonna let my mind marinate on what's right, what's good, what's positive, what's praiseworthy. I'm gonna talk about those things. I'm gonna think about those things. I'm gonna marinate in those things. And I just am willing to bet that as you do, your tank will begin to fill back up. Imagine how beautiful your week would be if you just made that simple commitment today. Well, for those of you who are still with us, if you don't just need a sidebar and like camp out right there, let's talk about this miracle worker that is Jesus. And here's, here's the miracle that takes place. Just gonna read it again in John two, beginning verse one, says, on the third day, the wedding took place in Cana and Galilee and Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, gives humanity the best piece of advice they've ever heard. The best piece of advice that you could ever receive, the best thing that you could ever do that would result in a changed life is this. And she said, do whatever he tells you. Just do whatever he tells you. If you want to experience the miracle worker who is Jesus in your life, it begins with this. Here's the first point. Do what Jesus says. Just do what he says to do. Her advice was don't overanalyze it. Don't try to connect all the dots. Before you take action. Don't try to don't try to figure it all out. Don't try to logically reason your way before you take action. Don't 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 obey just when it feels right. Like just do it. Like she she coined the phrase before Nike did. Like just you just do it. You just follow him. because what he asks you to do often will not make logical sense. But if we're going to be people who experience a supernatural miracle working power of Jesus, it's not always gonna. We're not always going to be able to connect all the dots. Why, why did she say that? Because Jesus is famous for doing things that don't make logical sense. Here's what Isaiah says. Here's what God said to Isaiah. These are God's words through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55. So it says, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. And I just want to pause there because some of you, like, you're in a mess because of your own dumb choices, And God can redeem dumb choices. God can redeem broken lives that are a result of dumb choices. He's in the miracle working business. But some of you have been faithfully following God and trying to do things in a way that honors God. Your expectations, nevertheless, are up here and your reality is down here. And you're like, where did I miss it? And I think as I was preparing for this, I just thought maybe for some of you just need to take hold of this, that God's word to you today would be the plans of mine is not the way you would work it out, like his plans unfolding, but it's just not the way you thought it would unfold. But check it out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's thoughts higher than your thoughts. Think about that for a moment. Uh, In researching for this this week, like some of you rocket scientists can fact check me here, but but my understanding from my search on the internet is that the furthest galaxy away is 13.9 billion light years away. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than you. 13.9 billion light years away. So imagine if Tesla comes out with this vehicle that can move at the speed of light. And so your new vehicle from Tesla, it will travel at 186,000 miles per second. It will take you 13.9 billion years to reach what God spoke and created by the breath of his mouth. And so sometimes when I'm in seasons that don't make sense and there's some things going on in my life where just, I just don't know what God's up to right now. But I have to reason with myself and ask the, the simple question, Tim, when was the last time that you created a galaxy that was 13.9 billion light years away? Tim, when was the last time that you spoke by the breath of your mouth and create a ball of fire that hangs in the sky? Like, Tim, when's the last time you did that? And so if God's able to do all that and his thoughts are higher than mine, matter of fact, as high as the heavens are higher than mine, then maybe I don't need to connect all the dots, but I just need to trust his plan. Maybe I just need to let God be God in those areas of, of my life. And for a lot of us, like myself included, a lot of us, we try to let God into our life from our head and then into our heart. But there's some things that God wants to do in your life that you're just not going to understand. And if the only way you let God into your life is to the degree that you understand him, then you've limited the size of your God to the degree that you can understand him and the size of your brain. Which for guys like me, that's not good. Because like, God's so much bigger than that. But if we're going to experience all that he has, then we need to let God in through our heart and then into our, our head. Because often he does things that I don't understand. Like this miracle. Like any miracle, it confounds wisdom, it confounds knowledge, it confounds logic. That's why it's a miracle. But if we're gonna experience the miracle worker, then we have to let him in through our hearts and then into our head. Let him capture your heart, he's been so faithful and follow him even when you don't understand. Uh, Listen, I don't understand some things in my life, but I have taken hold of this reality. You're God, I'm not. Your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. And so Jesus, my answer is going to be yes, even before I understand what you're up to. So first thing we're going to do is just do whatever Jesus said. Second, we're going to focus on what God wants to do in you. And honestly, I don't like this one. Because oftentimes when I'm in a situation where I feel like I need a miracle, it's actually God trying to work in my heart and in my life and change some things inside of me. And if I've learned anything, Throughout my years of ministry, it's this, that God is always more interested in what's happening inside of you than what is happening around you. He's more interested in what's happening in your heart than what's taking place in your circumstances. And sometimes if we're honest, God can only shave off some of the rough edges of our heart by shaking up our circumstances in our life to get us to come back to him and say, God, I'm all in. So while you're waiting for the miracle, and I'm waiting for a few miracles in my life. This, this, this text just brought this reminder to me. Maybe God's trying to do something in my heart. Maybe he's trying to change some of the content of what's on the inside before he does anything on the outside. You just need to know that if you're asking for a miracle, God is always more interested in the content of your character than the comfort of your circumstances. So what does God do in this circumstance? Here it is in John two, verse six. It says nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used for for Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. So 20 to 30 gallons of water. Like you think about a five-gallon bucket, like, whoa, there's like four to six of these bad boys stacked on top of each other. These were for ceremonial washing. These are huge, huge stone jars. And 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 you imagine this, like before you go to church, you gotta wash your hands and do like this ceremonial washing. But for Jews, they had to do this before a meal or before before for their cooking water. Like they, they needed this, this special ceremonial washing. And it was super important in this culture. Matter of fact, you had to wash your hands a certain way. Like when you washed your hands, it couldn't just run off your fingers. You had to hold your hands up and let the water run off your elbows. And so it was this this kind of empty, dead religious practice that took place. And there was wine jars there, right? The wine had run out. So apparently there was wine jars. So why did Jesus choose the ceremonial washing? Like why did he choose these, these huge jars? And there's a whole lot of ideas around this, but the best that I found And I think may be true is because Jesus identified a dead religious practice of washing hands. And he said, no, I'm going to restore the joy back into what's dead. I'm going to restore the joy back into that practice. And for some of us, if we're honest, our, our, our church experience, our relationship with God sometimes feels like this dead religious practice. And I'm just saying Jesus would desire to do a miracle in your heart and change the content of your life and to restore the joy back into that jar that is your life. Often though, the ways that he does that is through a process that we would rather stiff arm and reject. Here's what 1 Peter 1.6 says. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer, suffer grief. Any of you suffering griefs or all kinds of trials? All of these things came your way so that your faith, it's of greater worth than gold. And sometimes we lose sight of that. We, we think, man, our faith is important, but like these circumstances around my finances, my comfort, my security, my family, my health, my, all these other things are more important. But he says, no, no, it's, it's about your faith. And God wants, he can do a miracle in your circumstance, but before he does it, he wants to do a miracle in what's most precious and that's your heart. And sometimes that comes through trials. So that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire may be proven genuine. It may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I'm just saying, whenever it comes to Jesus and following this miracle worker, we just need to know that we need to do whatever Jesus says to do, but we also need to know when we're in need of a miracle, sometimes we're in this situation because God's trying to shape the content of our heart and just ask, God, are you trying to do a work inside of me? And then third is to believe the unbelievable I wanna encourage you to be people who trust God to believe big things. People who believe God for the unbelievable because he's still in the miracle working business. Here's the unbelievable that took place in this story in John two beginning verse eight and nine says, then he told them, draw out some water and take it to the master of the banquet. Like doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense, but they did so. And the master of the banquet, he tasted the water that had been turned into wine. They did not realize where it came from, though the servants who had drew the water, they knew. That's been my prayer for you this week, that God would allow you to taste the supernatural, to taste his power, not so you can get goosebumps, not for an experience, but let, let let God, may we taste your miracle working power, the things that don't make logical sense. May we have a taste of that in our life so that more people can find you and follow you. God, let us taste your divine power so people can know you. God, let us taste your divine power so people can grow in freedom. Let's taste your divine power so people can go out and show their purpose and live on the purpose that you created them for. God, let us taste your supernatural power so that we can be people who live on mission and go change the world like you called us to do. Think about this. The master of the banquet would have never tasted the wine if people didn't do what Jesus said. It's... Kind of a chain reaction. So let's do what Jesus said to do. Let's focus on the work he desires to do within us so we'll be ready when he asks us to step out and take action. And then let's believe the unbelievable. And I know some of you, you're facing unbelievable circumstances and it doesn't look good. But Mark 10, 27 says this, Jesus looked at them and he said this, with man, this is, it's impossible But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible with God, even your situation. Let's be people who just believe God once again for the unbelievable. And then finally, expect the best. Expect the best. John 2.10 says this. Everyone, this is the response. Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper stuff later after the guests had had too much to drink. But you have brought, you have saved the best. Till now, Jesus brought, you brought the best. He didn't like bring, like he doesn't do leftovers. He brings the best. Out of an impossible situation, God brought the best. And what if in the midst of impossible situations that you experience, you expected the best? I want to be a pastor of people who expect the best, speak the best, believe the best because we serve a God who's about the best. Not not just because of rainbows, everything's rainbows and unicorns. Like I realize there's real struggles. But what if we looked for the awesome in the midst of our circumstances? What if we, we found the best and talked about the best because we serve a God who delivers the best? I want that for my team. I want that for my church. I want that for my family. I desire that for my kids. I desire to be a person who represents that, that sees the best, speaks the best, expects the best. I, I was reading the Psalm last week. And uh, I just love this psalm. He says, early in the morning, it's not in your notes, it's not on the screen, but here's what he says. He says, early in the morning, oh Lord, I-, I lay my petitions before you and I wait in expectation. What if we live that this week? What do you believe in God for? What if, what if you got up early in the morning and said, oh God, here's where I need you to work in my life. And I'm not gonna pick it back up. I'm just gonna wait in expectation and believe you for the best. There's some situations where we just need a miracle in our lives. Situations I don't understand. They're kind of confusing to me. I don't get it. I don't know what he's up to. But I know we win. If God, God's in the miracle working business and he can perform a miracle, but God is also in the miracle working business that has eternity in mind. And even if things go south and we all die, Even in death, the righteous have a refuge, the Bible says. And so either way, we win. Either way, we experience healing. Either way, we have hope. We have hope. You have hope. If you tease it out to the worst possible scenario with God, you always have hope. I close with this, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everyone said, amen, let it be so. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are the miracle worker. We thank you, God, that your divine power is still at work today. We thank you, Jesus, that you invite us into relationship with you so that we can know you the miracle worker. Now, God, I pray for everyone that's watching this. The God, you would move in their life. the God, you would reach out your hand and do the miraculous. And so if that's you, and you're listening to this or watching this, wherever you are, I wish I could be with you. But we serve a God who's all-present. He's all-knowing. and He sees you. And so if you need a miracle in your life, I just invite you to slip up your hand wherever you are. Father, you're the miracle worker and you see your kids. Some are hurting physically, some are hurting emotionally, relationally, financially and God, they're reaching out to you to show up as you are the miracle worker so God, I pray right now that you would touch them, that God, you'd bring about healing, that you'd bring about perspective, that God, you'd fill them with fresh faith and hope and confidence to believe you for the unbelievable, to lay the request before you with great expectation, to be people who say, God, whatever you want from me, I'm in. I'm gonna do what you say to do. And God, while I wait for a miracle, I'm asking you to search my heart, see if there's anything in my life that you're trying to do a work in. And that would be a miracle in itself. But God, I pray today that you confirm your word with signs and wonders and touch your kids. Now, maybe you're watching this and you're like, I don't even know Jesus, but I want to. I hear he's a miracle worker and I desire a relationship with him. Maybe you were once close, but now you're far away. And you just need to know that God, he, he's, a, he's a restorer of broken lives. He's a restorer of broken relationships. And, and you may think you've gone too far, but he sees you and he desires a relationship with you. And so if that's you, you can simply do what that, that verse in Isaiah says to do, to, to turn back, to repent to him and say, God, I'm, I'm trying to do things my own way. Now I'm coming back. And you just... Turn to him and just acknowledge that, man, I've broken, I've broken your, your, your commandments. I've, I've sinned against you. I've, I'm a broken person. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and paid the penalty for my mistakes. I believe that you not only died on the cross, but I believe you rose again. And so I believe your power is available right here, right now. And you ascended into heaven. And so by your spirit, you can come take residence in my life. that's you and you want to begin that relationship, that's your commitment to God, that I would just be honored to pray with you and to make that commitment official and to seal that with God today. And If that's you, let's invite you to pray a prayer like this. Say, God, I recognize I made some mistakes. I recognize I haven't always gotten it right, but I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. And I believe Jesus paid the penalty for the mistakes that I've made He paid my fine on the cross and he rose again. And so Jesus, I'm asking you for the miracle working power of who you are to come into my life and forgive me, take up residence in me. And today, God, I'm committing my life to you. Whatever you say, to the best I can, I'm gonna follow you. I wanna just be a follower of you, Jesus. That's my commitment. Whatever you say to do, I'm gonna do it because I'm gonna follow you. I believe you are who you said you were. In Jesus' name, amen.